Welcome to Truth in Focus. This is John Kinlaw, and no doubt we owe all to him. And uh, this is uh, the podcast where we just want to bring truth into focus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 3 or just uh, just listen along. But I'd like to go to one of the most common chapters, most known verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is such an incredible chapter and so worthy of our study today. So turn with me to John chapter three, and um, I'm not gonna read the whole passage, but I will read just a portion beginning in verse one. It says, there was a man, and no doubt there was a man, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How? Can a man be born when he is old? Can he, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly. In other words, listen, listen. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. And he gives some examples here of the wind, which we'll cover a little bit later. And uh, he goes on to say this, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, this next verse is even more amazing than 3.16. 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, I'd like to talk about the new birth. What does it mean to be born again? Now, some think it's a catchphrase from the 70s or even the 80s. Um, I have an uncle who, uh, a short time after I, I, I was saved, I visited my grandmother, and my, my dad's brother, my uncle, was there. My father had passed away, and uh, when I showed up, I was sharing with both of them for the first time that I was born again, and it really took them both by surprise. They didn't know what that meant, but my grandmother knew it was in the Bible. She knew it very well. And it's possible that she's in heaven today. I do not know for sure. But um, 
My uncle, he said, oh, that's a catchphrase from the 70s. And I said, oh, no, uh, it's in John chapter 3. You must be born again. Uh, what does it mean to be born again? Others think if you're born again, you were converted at a Billy Graham crusade. <laughs> Perhaps you know someone like that. Or some associate born again today in, in uh, 2022 or 21 and 20 with conservative political activists that like storm the Capitol. Uh, Satan loves to bring confusion into the most important truths, doesn't he? And so he's made the term popular in various ways, redefined it, and then the cults adopted it. And even Catholics would say that they are born again, uh, but not in a biblical way unless they too have believed on the Lord Jesus and been born again, made alive by the Spirit of God. Now that's what it means. It literally means, in the Greek, born again means to be born from above, to be given spiritual life by God. It's a, a spiritual birth. The first birth was the physical birth. We were uh, born physically. We came from our mother's womb. That is physical birth. But spiritual birth is when uh, we believe on the Lord Jesus and are saved. That is the spiritual birth. It's union, the union of the soul with God. Jesus said, you must be born from above, or a person will never enter, nor will they ever see the kingdom of God. Now, that is amazing. That means we need to take notice. So, born again. Are you born again? I sure hope so. But if you're not, I hope after this lesson you will certainly understand what it means and put your faith in the Lord Jesus. There are three parts to this chapter that I see, and I'm, we're going to break it down this way. There is the must of the new birth. It is essential. Secondly, there's the mystery of the new birth. It is explained. And then thirdly, there is the miracle of the new birth. And we're going to see it experienced. And yes, we're going to see it in Nicodemus, I believe. Now, number one, the must of the new birth. The new birth is essential. Now, we could spend our whole lesson in this first point, so i got to be real careful here. But George Whitfield, years ago, he was the born-again preacher of the 1700s. This man uh, traveled to the United States from, from Europe, from England, 13 times for missionary work to preach the gospel here in the U.S. Now, that's not 13 flights, round-trip flights, as, as it would be today. This wouldn't be all that impressive. Uh, I, know, I know men who, who travel uh, around the world preaching the gospel and, and spend uh, uh, much more than 13 trips. But these are 13 trips by ship. Uh, this was a, a life work. A friend once asked George Whitfield, Why is it that you preach so often upon the text you must be born again. And he paused for a moment and he said, you know, I guess it's because you must be born again. And that, that's, uh, that sums it up, doesn't it? It's a must. This is essential. Uh, there are three important reasons that I see here why the new birth is essential, a must for every person in this world. 
if you want to go to heaven. Number one is because of the human condition. Now, the first description of Nicodemus is in the first verse, the first four words, and I'm reading the New King James. It reads this way, verse 1, chapter 3, John. There was a man. There was a man. Now, that's Nicodemus's biggest problem. Because man is um, made up of three parts. We are made up of body, soul, and spirit. We are eternal souls. We were created to live forever. And we were given a body. The body is like our vehicle, like a, um, like a car. And we're inside the car. The soul lives in the body. And, and then there's the spiritual side of man. But because of Adam and Eve and the sin in the Garden of Eden and the, the fall of man, as it's called, because man fell, man died that day spiritually. And death is simply is separation. And so Adam was separated from God and Eve as well in the Garden of Eden because of sin. And uh, wow, and so every child that came from, from them and all the way down to us, we were born in that condition. Um, we have a body, we have a soul, but we're born spiritually dead. We're all born separated from God. The Bible says all have sinned, that the wages of sin is death. We're all in the same boat, and that the soul that sins shall die. There's a consequence. And so we are absolutely lost without God. Therefore, we must be born again. We must reconnect with God. And so the first reason we must be born again is because of our human condition. And Nicodemus is our example. He was a man. He was a man. And so therefore, he needed to be spiritually alive, to be complete, body, soul, and spirit. And, uh, and so this is why people feel empty today. So we'll get to that. Number two. Number two. Number one, human condition. Number two, the reason we must be born again. Number two, because Nicodemus was a hopeless candidate. Now, let me explain. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. It says he was a man of the Pharisees. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was uh, a Jew. He was a teacher of Israel. Um, so let's back up. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So he was religious. He fasted. He prayed. He tithed. He was a ruler. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And so he had power and authority. He was a Jew. That means he was special in his own mind. He was favored. Um, he was a teacher of Israel. Not just a teacher, but the teacher of Israel. That means he was educated. He could check all the boxes this world tells you to check. And not only that, but history tells us that Nicodemus was the third wealthiest man in Jerusalem at this time. And so let's, let's look at the boxes. He checks them all. Uh, he was religious. He had power and authority. He had uh, the right lineage. He was educated. He was wealthy. But guess what? There was something missing. Something was missing. This goes back to the human condition. There was a void that religion can't fill, a void that power and authority can't fill, or, or lineage, or education, or wealth. None of it can fill the spiritual void that every single human has because we're separated from God. Nicodemus was searching. 
Why did he come to Jesus by night? We'll talk about that in a minute. But it wasn't that it was something missing. I think it was someone was missing. Someone was missing. And he had a hunch that it was Jesus. Now, my mom um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, let's see here, just a little over a year ago. And uh, we left um, short, shortly after it began to progress. It was stage three, I believe, breast cancer spread, uh, metastasized spread to various parts of her body, her bones, uh, her liver, um, her, her lungs, I, I believe. I'm not sure. but um, So she had terminal cancer. And um, so we came back from the mission field here in Tanzania. And uh, we went back to North Carolina and, and uh, spent some time to walk my mom through this journey. Um, we, we had Taco Tuesday. Every Tuesday evening, we would have uh, tacos. And after dinner, uh, my wife and I, my sister Elizabeth and my mom, and my four children, Isaac, Elena, Sam, and Katie, we would all gather around the den with our Bibles, and we would study John, the Gospel of John. She was facing death, and um, she she knew it, you know. And so we read one chapter a week. Um, we got to uh, maybe chapter 12 before she was too sick to continue. But two weeks before her death, she turned and uh, she said, uh, I am going to die, and I need to be saved. I couldn't believe it. You see... Kitty had, you know, everything she needed. She was comfortable. She was happy. She, was, um, she wasn't wealthy, but she had a good job. She had money. She had um, everything that, to make her happy, except she was empty. She was empty. She was spiritually dead, and she recognized it right in the last two weeks, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. Think of Nicodemus, the world's leading candidate for getting into heaven by works. You know, he's checking all the boxes. But guess what Jesus tells him? You're not going. You're, it's not enough. You must be born again. And so there's number two. And so we have number one, the human condition. We must be born again because we are separated from God. Number two, we have a hopeless candidate. All the boxes that you can check will not fill that void. And then thirdly, we have the heavenly cost. What did God do for you so that you could be saved or born again? Well, he died for you. He died on a cross. He suffered. He bore the sin of the world in his own body on the tree, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, without Jesus Christ, you cannot be born from above. It was Philip Yancey, this uh, Christian author, who said in one of his books, Jesus is the dividing point of life my life and your life. And so when one thinks, oh, I can, I can be good enough, then why the cross? Why the cross? The cross tells us none of us could be good enough. One had to pay a price that we couldn't pay. And so the new birth is essential because of the human condition. It is essential because of a hopeless candidate that we all are in our own strength. And it's essential because of a price that was paid, the heavenly cost. And so there's the must of the new birth. Secondly, there is the mystery of the new birth. And this is 
uh, wonderfully explained by the Lord Jesus. Now, the Lord Jesus gives Nicodemus and us three illustrations of the new birth. And so he, Nicodemus asks, how? How can a man be born when he is old? How in verse 4? How in verse 9? He's questioning. He really wants to know. Well, the first example or illustration that the Lord gives to help Nicodemus understand is physical or natural birth. Now look at verses 5 through 7. It says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now when a father and a mother come together, a child is conceived. And so that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Now, the spiritual birth has parents as well. It's, it's the water and the spirit. When they come together in the womb of faith, a sinner is born again. Now, what is the water? I believe the water here is the, the word of God. When the word of God and the spirit of God, or we might say it this way, when the spirit of God uses the word of God, the water of the word, and, and combines that, presents that to the sinner who believes there's the, there's the faith, there is a new birth. Ephesians refers to the Word of God as water when it says, by the washing of water by the Word. The Word cleanses us. The Word uh, brings, it's like water. It brings life. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And so when the parents, spiritual parents of the spirit of God and and the word of God come together in the womb of faith, a sinner is born again. And so that's the first example. The second example is the wind in chapter three, verse eight. The Lord Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Oops, wrong verse. Verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so what does he mean here? Well, wind is invisible to the human eye, and so is the new birth. We can hear it. We can see its effects. Speaking of wind, we see trees blow. We see the leaves rustle. We see hair uh, blow in the wind, etc. But when a person receives Christ, can we see it? Can we see it? No, we can't see the new birth, but we see the effects. We see the effects in a changed life. You hear it in a person's speech. You see it in a person's actions and and in in a person's decisions. Uh, wow, I'll never forget a friend named Victor in Kenya. I was going door to door and knocked on this man's door and uh, shared the gospel with him. And he said he wasn't interested, that he had come to America from Kenya to find the truth. But what he saw when he came to America was just a just a, a mix of various uh, religions and no one seemed to be really living the truth. And he was turned off. I said, well, I understand, uh, but don't, don't let other people 
turn you off. Make your own decision for yourself. And I gave him the Gospel of John and just said, would you please read this? And if you have any questions, give me a call. And I, he, he, he read it. He called me back and he said, John, I've, I've, I've read the booklet and I'd love to read the Bible with you. Um, and what an amazing thing. We read the Bible every Thursday night for about two hours for almost nine months. It was like a birth. <laughs> and uh, we made it all the way through the New Testament. Each Thursday night, we read a good bit, and then I'd ask him if he had any questions. I didn't really give much explanation. I just let the water of the Word uh, work in his, wash his heart and, and just uh, have its effect upon him. The Spirit of God was working, and we were just waiting for faith. And uh, after nine months, we came to Matthew eleven twenty eight where it says, uh, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you will find uh, rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I, I asked Victor, what are you waiting for? And he goes, ah, I just want it to be real. Well, I left that night, and uh, it turns out that some friends of his came over and Victor was just sitting there thinking in the dark and his two friends were believers, were born again as well and they led him to the Lord and Victor was ready and he put his faith in the Lord Jesus and he was born again. The next time I saw him, I saw the effects. I saw the clear eyes. His eyes were just so filled with life. And you know they say the eyes are the window to the soul. Ah, Victor had, his face was different. His speech was different. He was born again. Now, I didn't see the new birth, but I saw the effects just like the wind. So we have the, 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 the example of physical birth. We have the example of the wind. And thirdly, we have an Old Testament example for Nicodemus and for us to, to reference as well. The Israelites in the wilderness were complaining. No doubt they were complaining instead of worshiping. If we do this, if we study that wilderness journey, they went three days in the wilderness to sacrifice to their God, but three days in they were complaining. God sent judgment in the form of fiery serpents, and he commanded Moses to raise up a bronze serpent on a pole. Um, as the people uh, repented and, and came to Moses, Moses sought the Lord. The Lord commanded him to raise up a bronze serpent on a pole. Whoever looked to this serpent was healed. Now, uh, the simple message was this. Look to the bronze serpent and live. Look and live. Now, that took faith. That took faith. Now, there were many who were bitten by the serpents, and certainly they had all kinds of remedies uh, they would wrap this around the, the bite, or they would put this ointment on there, or they would do this medicine, or dawa, as we call it in Swahili. They would have all kinds of, of remedies, but nothing would cure the bite of the serpent except faith, except faith. Look and live. It required faith. And those who believed were saved not because of anything they did other than turn and obey the Lord by faith. What a picture of the cross. And this is what the verse says. 
as in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, be lifted up that whoever believes in him, whoever looks to him by faith, should not perish but have eternal life. Look and live. Isn't that the message? <laughs> Is it? I've had someone say, uh, boy, that's not fair, you know? It was not fair that we were born in sin, that we were born spiritually dead. We had no choice in the matter. That's not fair. God's not fair. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree, and that was the test of Adam's love for God. And so Adam showed God his love for him by obeying him and not eating the fruit of that tree. And we know what Adam did. He, he disobeyed God, but God didn't stop loving him. God uh, worked in Adam's life. And I believe when Adam left the Garden of Eden, he was clothed and Adam was saved. And he carried the gospel with him. And he shared it with his, with his children. We see chapter 4 of Genesis with Cain and Abel. And every one of us has a decision. Some reject it and some respond to God's loving offer. Now, outside of the garden, there was also a tree. This, this tree is a test also of our love for God. Just as in the Garden of Eden for Adam, there was a test of his love for God. Outside of the garden, there is a tree that is the test of our love for God. It is the cross, beloved. We too have been bitten by the serpent of sin. But there is a cure. There is a Savior. And we all have a choice in the matter. Look and live. Look and live. There must be faith. There must be the Word of God and the Spirit of God working together in the womb of faith. And there will be a new birth. And we will see its effects. As, uh, my, as my wife has said many times, you know, we see folks that say, well, I got saved. I believed. Well, we're looking for some fruit, you see. We want to see the effects. We want to see the effects of a changed life. We want to see the fruit of the new birth. But when there's no fruit, you scratch your head and wonder, did you really believe did, because the Word of God and the Spirit of God will never fail. It's the faith. Did you believe? Did you put your faith in Christ? Are you trusting in Him alone? Well, she's often said, if the Spirit of God is in there, somewhere He's going to show up. We're going to see evidence, you know? And I believe she's right. The, the, the message is look and live. It's very simple. And so we had three examples. The mystery of the new birth. It is a mystery. Uh, it's explained in three ways, physical, natural birth, the wind, and the bronze serpent. And then thirdly, we have the miracle of the new birth. We've considered the must. You must be born again. And it is a mystery, number two, the mystery, but it's explained in three very clear ways. And then thirdly, there's the miracle of the new birth. It is experienced. Now, Nicodemus left the Lord Jesus that night with a lot to think about. What a powerful experience that must have been for him. I believe it changed his life. Uh, over a year later, we see Nicodemus emerge again in chapter 7. Now, I'm turning over to chapter 7. And look at the end of chapter 7, verse 45. 
Nicodemus emerges again. And here he is. I'm going to read the verses, verse 45. It says, Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who had said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. And the Pharisees answered and said, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? Did you hear that question? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? That's a rhetorical question with with the understood answer of no, but that was not true. I believe the answer was yes, but this crowd does not know the law and is accursed. And Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Did you hear those words? Nicodemus spoke up. Do you guys, are you guys following the law? Does our law judge a man? Have you listened to him? Do you really know what he's doing and what he's saying? And they answered, kind of mocking Nicodemus, Are you from Galilee also? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. They were shocked at Nicodemus. They were stunned that he had said this. Wow. So uh, we see in chapter 19, Nicodemus emerges again. Now let's go over to chapter 19, and then we'll clarify this final point. Chapter 19 and verse 38. After this, after this was after the death of Christ on the cross. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, you know, now you'll notice this, every time Nicodemus is mentioned, it is, he is described as one who came to Jesus by night. And Nicodemus, and chapter 19 is no exception, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. And so they took the body of Jesus and gave him a kingly burial. And so, wow, here's, here's what we see. Chapter 3, Nicodemus snuck out. He came to Jesus by night to meet with the Lord and asked these piercing questions. In chapter 7, he spoke out. Uh, I think we're starting to see uh, the winds of the new birth blow in chapter 7. He spoke out boldly, but in chapter 19, he broke out. <laughs> so uh, he broke out because when he, when he came to join Joseph of Arimathea, two secret disciples, when he joined him and those two men took Jesus off the cross, can you just visualize what these men did? They handled the dead lifeless body of the Messiah. They pulled the nails out or pulled his hands out of the nails. I don't know how they did it or how they got him down or how it all played out, but they handled the bloody, uh, lifeless body of the Lord Jesus. Uh, They were no longer secret disciples. Their lives would never be the same. Nicodemus traded his fame, his position, his power. He traded even his, his lineage in a sense. He traded even his wealth for something better, something better. 
What did did the Lord Jesus say? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? We might say if he checks every box but loses his own soul. What will a man give in exchange for a soul? And so we're eternal souls and we need to be born again. It was an absolute miracle for him to get saved. Somewhere between chapter 3 and chapter 7, Nicodemus was born again. We see the winds of the new birth blowing in chapter 3 with his speech and chapter 19, excuse me, chapter 7 with his speech as he speaks out, chapter 19 with his works as he as he takes the Lord Jesus off the cross and gives him a proper burial. The winds of the new birth were blowing. It was a miracle, no doubt. You know, my mom, trusting Christ two weeks before her death, literally to the day, was an absolute miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle that she got saved. You know, you, you must be born again to enter the kingdom or to even see it. Those who are not born again, those who reject the new birth, that means you reject Christ as Savior, will never see the kingdom. They'll never see it. Um, so here's the question. All three times it mentions that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Why? Why do we see this? Why did he come to Jesus by night? Why does it say that about him? Well, perhaps he was being careful. Um, perhaps he was too busy in the daytime. You know, he's a busy man. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He had lots of business to do. Maybe the night was the only time he could get free. Or maybe he couldn't wait till the morning. Something was just gnawing at him. You know, uh, it was one preacher, uh, Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite uh, preachers. He said, you know, instead of counting sheep, uh, instead of counting sheep, uh, Nicodemus just came to talk to the shepherd. (laughs) And I like that one. Perhaps it's all of them. No doubt he would have had some issues if, if the other members of the Sanhedrin knew that he had come and personally, privately sat down with the Lord Jesus. Well, think about this. I came to Jesus by night. I believed on the Lord privately in my bedroom, reading my Bible. I got down on my knees and I prayed that prayer in the back of a little Gideon Bible, and I prayed it many times that night. I wanted to make sure that prayer arrived in heaven and was heard, and no doubt it was heard. I was saved that night. I came to Jesus by night. My sister came to Jesus by night. You know, uh, privately in her own room, she trusted Christ as her Savior. My son Isaac came to Jesus by night. He, He got down on his knees in his bedroom and asked Jesus to save him. He didn't tell anyone. We saw the winds of the new birth blowing in his life. And a few weeks later, my wife and I pulled him aside and said, Isaac, have you gotten saved? And to see the smile on his face, we could see the winds of the new birth blowing. Oh, my mom, Kitty, at a table in a small apartment in North Raleigh, she too came to Jesus by night. She was born again. So, Let me ask you this. Have you come to Jesus by night? It's a private thing. It's a decision that we all make personally uh, regarding the Lord Jesus. 
Um, between birth, physical birth, and physical death, the number one goal of every human being is to be born again, to believe, to look and live, and to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for your sins. And I know that all those I've mentioned would agree with this. Never have I ever regretted making that decision, but only wish I had made it sooner. And so you must be born again. Well, that's all for now. May the Lord bless you.